Hi, I'm Heather, and I'm reading from James 5, 7 through 12. Be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruits of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. You also be patient. Establish your hearts, for the coming of the Lord is at hand. Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that ye may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. As an example of suffering and patience, brothers, take the prophets who spoke in the name of the Lord. Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You have heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you have seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. But above all, my brothers, do not swear, either by heaven or by earth or by any other oath, but let your yes be yes and your no be no, that you may not fall under condemnation. Hey everybody, good morning and uh, welcome to Christ Community Chapel. I'm so, so glad that you are here. Uh, thanks for coming. Welcome those of you over in our East service and those of you who are tuning in online. Uh, welcome. So this is uh, Thanksgiving week. Uh, we have Thanksgiving coming up Thursday, and I thought this would be a good time to just express uh, a little gratitude myself. First, I am grateful for Jim College, who changed my life 30 years ago, first by becoming my friend, and then by inviting me to become a part of what God was doing in this church. So I'm so grateful. I will be forever grateful to Jim College. And then uh, for our staff, I am so grateful for the opportunity to work with such a talented and gifted and passionate staff. You guys do just amazing things week in and week out. And uh, I love your passion for Jesus. And then finally, for you guys, uh, I am thankful for you. It has been uh, and continues to be one of the great privileges of my life uh, to be your pastor. So thank you. I just want to let you know. All right. Now, uh, we are continuing in our uh, series on James. We're in a 10-week series on James. We're on week nine. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to James chapter five. If you use one of our Bibles, it's on page 952, 952. Right, Pastor Zach actually covered the first six verses of uh, James chapter five last week. And that was a rough sermon. Uh, if you were here, if you... Remember it. Uh, how Zach got stuck with that passage, no one will know. It's just a, it's a mystery, right? But uh, last week, James started out like this. Come now, you rich, weep and howl for the miseries that are coming upon you. All right, this week, the passage starts out, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. It's like James got uh, kind of, got a lot off his chest last week. And now we get the kinder, gentler version of James this week, right? Uh, last week, it was like getting an, an email from James that's all caps, that he was just yelling at us. And this week, uh, he just says, hey, guys, uh, be patient, be patient. Now, uh, one of the differences between like a normal person and a Christian, if I could divide people like that, is a normal person, when they think about sin, they think about things that you do like outward things, like lying and cheating and stealing. And that's true. Those are sins. But the longer someone's a Christian, the more 
acutely aware we become of the inwardness of sin. That sin begins way deep down in our hearts. The writer of Proverbs says, out of the heart flow the issues of life. Your life is determined uh, in many ways, whether you are a good person or a bad person, a kind person or an unkind person, whether you are secure or insecure, all that begins deep down inside of you like a seed that is growing. So James is not so much kind of letting us off easy this week as much as he is getting to the origin of the problem. Uh, Your life, really, the way to life and the way to death are not determined by the huge battles in your life. It's determined by your daily attitude toward God and toward each other. Be patient, James says. Be patient. I'm going to pull out three points from the verses that we just had read to us. If you're a note taker, you can write these down. If not, you'll just know where I'm going. I want to talk about the two directions of patience, the crazy importance of patience, and finally, the secret to becoming patient. The two directions of patience, the crazy importance of patience, and finally, the secret to becoming patient. First, the two directions of patience. So let's, uh, let's just define patience. Patience is a, a serenity. It's a, a calmness, a s- stability. Think of the most patient person that you know, right? There's just a solidness about them. They can uh, absorb what seems like an amazing amount of annoyance before they lash out, if they ever do, right? It's, uh, it, the, the Greek word for patience in verse, that's used in verse 7 and 8 is the, is the word makrothymeo, which means literally long to get angry. That it, if you're patient, it takes you a long time to reach your boiling point. And I like that image. That's why I have a, a pot here. Because if you're patient, it takes a, a long time before anything actually flows out of this. But if you're impatient, that means you have like a a certain level of irritability already, that, that like the, the water's kind of already hot. It doesn't take much for it to reach a boiling point for something to slosh out of this. And some of you are wondering if there's water in here, and I'm going to slosh it out. You know how you feel right now? Tense? Like if I start shaking this back and forth? That's the way people feel around people who are impatient. Like they wonder if anything's going to set you off. Now, Now, James says that patience moves in two different directions, which is interesting to me. You know, whenever I officiate a wedding, I uh, will tell the couple that they're going to give two promises during the ceremony. And the promises will sound very, very similar. But one promise is directed to God, and the other promise will be directed toward each other. And the promise that's directed to God is called the statement of intent. And that's that, that famous paragraph, kind of that the pastor will say to the couple where they say, where I would say to like the man, do you take this woman to be your wedded wife? Do you promise before God and these witnesses that you will love, honor, and comfort her in sickness and in health, and that forsaking all others, you will perform under all the duties a husband owes his wife until God by death shall separate you? If so, respond, I do. 
right? I've done a few weddings, right? And then that's the promise to God. And then the promise to each other, what we call the vows, where I will tell the man to say, repeat after me, I, Joe, take thee, Karen, to be my wedded wife, right? To love and to cherish for good, for bad, in sickness and in health, for richer, for poorer, all that, right? There's a vertical promise and a horizontal promise. And I'll tell the couple, if you're going to only keep one of those promises, keep the vertical promise. Because if you keep the promise to God, then you will keep the promise to each other, right? James talks about patience in the same way. He says there's a, a horizontal kind of element to patience. There's a vertical uh, element to patience. To be patient with God and patient with people. Now, whenever uh, James is talking about patience, he's warning us about impatience. Let's talk about impatience with people. One of the things that I like about the Bible that I find interesting is not just what it says, but what it doesn't say. Like James, when he talks about being impatient with people, he doesn't say, listen, when, if somebody really irritates you, if somebody mistreats you, if somebody is, is cruel to you or dishonest with you, he doesn't say, don't go off on them. Right? Don't punch them out. Don't cuss them out. Right? If he said that, I would feel pretty good about my ability to be patient because it's been a long time before, uh, since I've punched somebody or cussed somebody out. Right? Part of that is because of what happened to my dad when I was a kid. Uh, my dad was a pastor of a church in a small town. And my older brother was playing uh, football. And my dad was at the game, and uh, he was yelling at the game. And he started, he was on the refs some. He was yelling at the refs, right? And the ref actually stopped the game, walked over to the sidelines, pointed at my dad, and said, Pastor Coffey, you should be ashamed of yourself. <laughs> That'll cure you, right? Cured my dad, for the most part. Actually, it had an impact on me, so I got to, you know, I... In public, I would be very reticent to, to cuss somebody out, punch somebody out. But that's not what James says. What James says, uh, when we lose patience with, e with each other, he says in verse 9, Do not grumble against one another, brothers, so that you may not be judged. Behold, the judge is standing at the door. He says, don't grumble. Right? That's different. I go to a, a family-owned uh, restaurant for breakfast every once in a while. And the server sometimes will wear, we have the same server every time we go, and she sometimes wears a different kind of funny t-shirt. And one time she was wearing a t-shirt that said, I'm sorry, did you hear my eyes roll? Right? <laughs> That's a grumble. I, you know, a grumble is me going home and talking to my wife today about one of you and saying to her, ending the sentence by saying, they're so annoying. It just bugged me. What's for dinner? Right, that's a grumble. Grumble is complaining. Grumble is critiquing. Grumbling is nitpicking, scorning, zinging someone, being sarcastic with someone. That's grumbling. And what James says, he doesn't say, oh, listen, guys, try not to grumble. What he says is don't grumble because you'll be judged. The judge is standing at the door. The judge is listening to everything you say about other people. He is listening to every grumble, right? I'll talk a little bit more about that in my next point, 
You'll have to be patient and wait, right? But he also, that's the horizontal kind of way to be patient, but he also talks about a vertical patience with God. In verse 11, he says this, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. That word steadfast, another word for patience. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. All right? He uses Job, the story of Job. Now, the story of Job is right in the middle of the Bible. And the, the way the story of Job works is it starts out, and Job's life is just humming along. Right? He's got a, a great marriage. He's got great kids. He's got a great job. He's got a great 401k. Everything's going well until he gets caught kind of in this contest between God and Satan like a wishbone. And what happens is Satan goes before God, and God says to Satan, have you seen my servant Job? If you want to look at, we want to look at a godly man, Job's the guy. And Satan kind of laughs, and he says, really, you, you, you think Job serves you for nothing? You have filled his life with blessings? You're like a rich guy that has to buy his friends. No one loves you for you. And God says, Job does. And Satan says, want to bet? And the whole rest of the book is Job dealing with his life as every blessing from God is torn away to all he has left is God himself. And James says, Remember the steadfastness of Job. You've probably heard the phrase, so-and-so is as patient as Job. And then James says that the way we are patient, he, he has this analogy of being a farmer in verses 7 and 8. He says, be patient, therefore, brothers, until the coming of the Lord. See how the farmer waits for the precious fruit of the earth, being patient about it until it receives the early and the late rains. Palestinian farmer had to wait for two rains. One was the autumn rain, which softened the ground so he could plant the seed. And the other was the, the spring rain, when the rains would plump up the, the grain and the harvest. Now, the kicker was, if you were a farmer, you had to wait for that spring rain. If you waited and the spring rain never came, then you lost everything. But if you jumped the gun, if you harvested because you thought it's not coming, and then the spring rain came a week or two weeks later, you would only get a fraction of what you would have had had you been patient. You know, patience is waiting for God to do what God wants to do. And I find in my own life that God is, God just seems late all the time. And he doesn't work on my schedule, and it shouldn't surprise me, because when you read the Bible, it seems like that's God's M.O. Like Abraham and Sarah, Sarah's way past the time when she can have babies, and then she has Isaac. You know, I always think of the story of Joseph, where Joseph is sold into slavery by his brothers, how, how he must have cried out to God. And you say, God, you need to stop them now. Stop them now. And God didn't. And then he, he gets into Potiphar's house. And Potiphar, and he ends up being accused of something he didn't do. And he probably cried out to God, God, please, please keep me out of prison. And then it just keeps going. And God doesn't seem like he moves. Then you have Jesus with Lazarus. 
He hears that his friend Lazarus is sick, and he stays where he is for two days. By the time he gets to Lazarus, Lazarus has been dead for like four days. That's why Martha, Lazarus' sister, says to Jesus, Lord, if you'd been here, my brother would not have died. What's she saying? She's saying, you're late. You're late. You never came when you were supposed to come. You may be here right now, and you thought your life would be better by now. You thought you'd be married by now. You thought your marriage would be better by now. You thought the person that you've been praying for would be healed by now. You you thought that you would be healed by now. If you're like me, it's so easy to be like the farmer who goes outside and checks for the rain and then looks up at God and says, what are you doing? Why aren't you doing what you are supposed to do? Just stop right there. Try to think of how that would make you feel if you were God. If you were God and you, (laughs) if you made me right out of nothing, you decided that I would exist of all people. You give me the breath to breathe, the food to eat. You give me people to love for however long I have them. And I stand outside and look up and say, where are you? Why aren't you doing stuff when I want it done? That brings me to my second point, which is the crazy importance of patience. You know, patience is not a minor sin. You know, we think of of patience as a minor sin if it's a sin at all, right? Like if if I got up today and I said, listen, I just wanted to confess to you, I've been struggling with greed lately. I've been struggling with lust lately. You would perk up, (laughs) Because you go, man, Pastor Joe is struggling. I mean, something's up. But if I said, I've been struggling with patience, you kind of go, mm, don't we all? Don't we all? Don't we all? Right? We all struggle with patience, but it's not a small thing. Like when you are impatient, you're like this pot, something sloshes out, you lash out. When you're impatient with God, then you la- you're lashing out at God. You're saying to God, I don't like your schedule. Your plan stinks for me. Your plan for the people I love stinks. The plan that you have for me stinks. You're not running my life the way I want it run. You're messing up. That's cosmic treason. You're not trying to overthrow the entire universe, but your little part, you're saying, I'm done. When I am impatient with God, what I'm saying to God is this. I don't want to serve you. You should be serving me, and you should be doing it better. The other danger with impatience is that impatience is an emotional cousin to self-pity. It's an emotional cousin to self-pity. And self-pity is a really, really dangerous fertilizer of the soul. You take self-pity and sprinkle it on anything, you get some really bad stuff. If you're feeling self-pity, you can rationalize being angry and being bitter, being selfish and self-indulgent. You can rationalize being cruel. You can do all kinds of things. Being impatient with God, crazy, crazy important. Patience and God are connected to trust. And I'll get to that in a minute. But impatience with 
each other is also crazy important. Right? What I find the older I get, uh, the more routines I have, the more uh, things become habits. I go to bed at the same time. I wake up at the same time. I, I do, I work out, you know, the same amount of time. I do just, I, everything in my life is structured by habits. Grumbling can become a habit. Talking about people can become a habit. What I want you to do this next week is just pay attention to how often and how you talk about other people. How often you are frustrated with people and you talk about it. Right? Whenever I think about grumbling, I think of uh, C.S. Lewis wrote uh, a work of fiction called The Great Divorce. And in one part of that book, uh, C.S. Lewis is, he is, has written himself into the book. He's standing with a companion, and they're watching two people who have died who have become ghosts. And one of the ghosts is a woman, and she's complaining and talking about everybody and how she was mistreated. And she's just like, ah, rah, rah, rah. And uh, C.S. Lewis asks his companion, is there any hope for her? And his companion says, there is, unless she has already become a grumble. And C.S. Lewis tries to correct his companion. He says, you mean if she hasn't already become a grumbler? And his companion says, no, no, no. She is becoming just one eternal grumble. Grumbling can become such a habit that it starts in your soul and then starts to take over more and more of who you are until all you are is someone who talks about other people who criticizes other people, who points out faults here and there because you're in the habit of it. Okay. So what's the secret then of becoming a patient person if it's so important? Right? Patience is not something that you can white-knuckle your way into. Right? There's no shortcut to patience. There's no book on how to become patient in less than an hour. Right? So how do we become patient? I think there are a couple of secrets. The first secret is uh, shown in verse 11, where he says, Behold, we consider those blessed who remain steadfast. You've heard of the steadfastness of Job, and you've seen the purpose of the Lord, how the Lord is compassionate and merciful. The first secret to becoming patient is to remind yourself how patient God has been with you how really patient God has been with you. I just read a book by Tim Keller called Forgive, and it was so convicting. I had to think through all the people that uh, have hurt me or that I need to forgive and to forgive them. How, how many times has God said to you to forgive someone who has hurt you deeply, and you've said to God, I can't, and I won't? How many times has God kind of impressed on you and said, I want you to serve me in this way, or I want you to give in this way, and you say to God, mm, no, I won't. If you have ever had children, how do you deal with a child where you say, hey, I need you to take out the garbage, and they look at you and they say, I can't, and I won't. Right? How patient are you with them? Do you know how patient God has been with you, whoever you are? 
I have told you before that when my little brother was killed, I was mad at God for two years. Mad at God for two years. I say that just like in a sentence, but that means for, for two years, it'd be like God showing up every morning and saying, good morning, Joe. And me saying to God, talk to the hand. Right? I don't want to talk to you. I don't, I, 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 don't, I don't want you right now. And the next morning, him showing up and saying, good morning, Joe. I love you, Joe. Right? How many times would you do that? If it was two years, that means 700 times, more than 700 times God showed up to say, and listen, whoever you are, whatever you've been doing with God, every day God shows up and he says to you, Good morning. I love you. And he's calling you to himself. This patience is enormous. We need to remind ourselves of how patient God has been with us. But the second thing, and I really struggled with this uh, word, we need to remind ourselves of the, the majesty of God. The majesty of God. Now, I, I don't even know if I should use this illustration, but I know that inside of me, my patience with someone is directly connected to how much respect I have for them. Right? That's probably not good. I'll, I'll probably have to preach a sermon about that sometime. But like if an intern at the church asks to have an appointment with me and they're 20 minutes late, I'll be frustrated. But if I have an appointment with somebody who's a leader in their field, which is not uncommon here, where somebody's a leader in their field of business or science or medicine or the arts or whatever it is, and, and they show up 20 minutes late and they say, listen, I'm sorry, I was really, I was caught in the middle of, I would go, no, 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 don't, don't worry. I'm just so glad that you'll take the time. You know what? I want you to imagine that person who's at the very top of the field that you would love to spend time with whether it's in worship and music or the arts or finance or business or science or education. You got that person pictured in your head? I want you to imagine having an appointment with the one who made them from scratch, who says to you, good morning, I love you. Right? Don't miss the majesty of God, But I told you during the second point that patience with God is connected to trust. And God has proven you can trust him because of Jesus. Right, we're going to take communion in just a few minutes. Communion is that time where we're reminded that God, in the fullness of time, at just the right time, gave Jesus so that you could be reconciled to him, so that Jesus would live the life you should have lived. Die the death you deserve to die. So you can have what he has. And if God loves you like that, you can trust him. I told you a few weeks ago, James is like a doctor. Right? You, a doctor doesn't tell you not to eat certain foods because they taste good. A doctor says, you need to quit eating this food because it's killing you. James says, be patient. Be patient in both directions. 
with God and with the people around you because it's crazy important. And if you want to learn how to be patient, if you remind yourself daily, multiple times a day, how patient God has been with you, you need to remind yourself of the majesty of God and remind yourself that God can be trusted simply and only because of Jesus. Let's pray. Father in heaven, uh, we come to you, and uh, please uh, forgive all of us uh, if we have not been patient with you. I pray that you would increase our understanding of who you are, increase our trust in you because of what Jesus has done, and help us to wait. Just wait for you. I pray that you'd help us uh, if we keep that, if we're patient with you, I pray that that will flow out to our patience with other people so that we can be gracious, so that we can be loving. Lord, I pray that you would change each one of us, change our hearts, for out of our hearts flow the issues of life. Make us like your son. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.